I'm Pete Pedro Hoffmeister, and this is the Boring is a Swear Word podcast. Not every single person I know has been punched in the mouth. Quite a few haven't. They don't know how it feels to have a fist meet their teeth. But I'm a particular kind of idiot. So I've had that experience more than once. And I'll start the story when I was 17. This is back when I was staying for a short while, a couple weeks in a Greyhound bus station. Eating and sleeping in there during the day and then walking the streets at night. And then after being there for a while, my friend from Eugene collected money in the halls of South Eugene and sent me enough money to buy a bus ticket back home. The biggest donation to that bus ticket was my high school track coach, Mike Yeoman. He put in 60 of the $180 that my friend Ben sent me. So when I got back, I was really grateful to him and appreciative and talked to him a lot. And I hadn't been a track athlete for a while. I'd mostly just gotten in trouble the last year and a half before that. So I wasn't planning on running track my senior year. But after washing dishes for a while and the dish gig taking up all my spare time, I decided that uh, I should probably start selling drugs to free up some time. So I did. I sold drugs that spring and suddenly I had enough money for rent and food and enough free time to go ahead and run track. There were only three weeks left in the track season, but my coach was happy to have me just because I was a little depth on the team. I wasn't a star by any means. But I qualified for districts in the 3,000. And districts that year were held in Springfield, Oregon. Now, Springfield's not a really big town, and it's also not a really nice town. And as I found out later, there were some gang issues in the Alphabet Streets especially near Q Street. So we had districts at Silky Field in Springfield in the Alphabets District. And uh, I ran the 3,000. I placed fifth, scored the team some points. Wasn't great, but it was fine. And after the race, my two 3,000 teammates and I went to do a cool down through the neighborhoods. We were just going to run a couple miles, nice easy jog, loosen up our legs, before the rest of the district meet. So we're going through the alphabet streets, running along, and all of a sudden, as we're crossing a street, this big American 1970s lowrider comes barreling along, and they swerve towards us and try to hit us with their car. Well, we dive onto the grass near the sidewalk, and the car slows down, and the guys inside are yelling at us. And I stand up, being who I am, and I yell, F you, and flip them off, right? F you, you effing. Keep flipping them off, keep yelling, standing out in the middle of the street as they're slow rolling away from me. They're all looking back. Then my teammates and I, we keep jogging, and we take a left at the next block, and we're running along the straight of the next block when all of a sudden that same low rider 
comes around the far corner, coming towards us this time, and they've circled back around to come find us. So that lowrider slows down, driving right down the middle of the street, and just stops. And out gets six guys. Three from the front, three from the back. Right? They're all dressed in colors. They're all dressed in blue. I don't think about it, but they're the Springfield Crips. Right? And uh, me being me, when they stop their car and get out, I stop too and start walking towards them. So they circle up around me, and that's when I realize it's just me. And I look for my teammates, and they're way down at the end of the block. They sprinted off because they're track athletes, and they're fast, and probably nobody in that neighborhood could ever catch them. And if I had sprinted, I'd be right with them. But instead, when six guys dressed in blue get out of a lowrider after trying to hit you with their car, right, I walk towards them. And the leader guy, he's like this skinny guy that's maybe six foot six. He goes, yo, yo, we can do this. And then because I'm a special kind of idiot, I say, all six of you against me? Damn, you're pretty hard. And as soon as I say that, one of them, not the leader guy, but one of them, who I don't even see, punches me in the mouth. And he punches me really hard. I don't flinch because I never saw him swing. I don't block because I never saw him swing. I don't duck because I didn't see him swing. And he just knocks my left front tooth clean out. Bam! Straight into my mouth. My front tooth is sitting on top of my tongue. You know, that was a good moment for me. Afterwards, when the police came to my high school and told me that there'd been a lot of gang activity in that part of Springfield, and that those were Crips, and they were trying to identify some of them because of some other crimes they'd committed, so I might be able to help them by describing them. After I talked to the police, after I went to the dentist, after he tried to put my tooth back in, after they root canaled it, and I had to wear a retainer, and then they had to bleach it, after that tooth is not a real living tooth, and never has been since I was 18 years old, after all of that, after that tooth now being named Glinty by me and my daughters, and Glinty being in pictures because he sparkles, so there's a family picture, and my mouth is like, bling. After all of that, I realized that was a really good moment for me. When six gang members try to hit you with their car, then they circle back around the block, stop and get out of the car to come beat you up. That's when you run. That's when you run every single time.
Sometimes your art gets punched in the mouth too. I haven't read a bad book review on this podcast in a while, so here's a reader review from Goodreads on my novel, This is the Part Where You Laugh. A reader named Marcos Moreno wrote, I found myself skimming certain parts of the novel because I was so bored with it. Especially during the weird princess scenes. I skipped those entirely. It was just really predictable and forgettable. And I wanted to DNF this so many times. But I pushed through and did not enjoy it. But then again, literally getting punched in the mouth was sometimes good for me. For example, when I was 15, a sophomore in high school, and thought I was so tough, my friends and I had a couple pairs of boxing gloves. And that was really fun for a little while, boxing each other. But after not too long, the hierarchy became really clear and the same people always won. So what we started to do was to sneak out late at night at one or two in the morning and find people to fight with, either with gloves on or without. And that sounds like that'd be impossible to do, except we lived in a college town and there were plenty of college drunks, drunken college boys out and about who also thought they were tougher than they were. And so if we went down on campus, or if we went to a supermarket parking lot after midnight, especially on a Friday or Saturday night, but sometimes on a Tuesday night, we could find some drunk college boys who would be willing to fight. Some of them in shape, some of them not in shape. So there was this one Safeway, the Safeway on 30th in Eugene, where we used to kind of regularly find people to fight. And sometimes it would even get weird. Like a couple times there were older guys there and they would bet on who would win among the high school kids and the drunken college boys. Now the college boys were naturally stronger than us, but they were stumbly drunk usually. So it wasn't much sport. We could take them pretty easily, which made us think that we were tougher than we were again. Now one night we were at the Safeway And I'd fought one of my friends, and then I'd fought a college kid, and I was feeling pretty good about myself. I'd won two bare-knuckle boxing matches, and I thought, I'm getting pretty hard. Then this kid shows up who I knew. He wasn't a college kid, and he wasn't drunk. He was a wrestler from another high school. I was a wrestler, studied some martial arts, mixed martial arts, so, you know... I was feeling pretty confident. And I knew that he was a wrestler, but not quite as good of a wrestler as me. So even though he was a weight class or two above me, I'd gone up and down in weight classes and won a lot of matches, so I thought I was, you know, going to be just fine. But right before I boxed this kid, someone came over to me and said, hey, you know, he's a boxer. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm a wrestler or whatever. They're like, no, 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 he's a really good boxer. He, he won the Golden Gloves in Portland last year, Oregon Golden Gloves. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, I've studied some Muay Thai, and blah, blah, blah. So I didn't listen to my friend who pulled me aside, and we agreed on a five-minute boxing match 
with both of us having gloves on. So exactly what he was good at for five minutes. One round. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever boxed a boxer, but boxing a boxer is a horrible idea if you're not a boxer. There's lots of parts to this. First part is boxers are used to boxing, so they don't get tired doing what they're used to. But anybody who's not a boxer becomes tired very quickly. I usually become exhausted boxing after about one or two minutes, way before a five-minute round would be up. The other part of it is boxing is an amazing martial arts science. And if you're good at boxing, you could be weak, you could be frail, and you could destroy someone. But the thing was, this kid wasn't weak and frail. He was a wrestler and a boxer, and he'd won the Golden Gloves, and he was going to go on to become a college wrestler. So he was a pretty stout kid, and I was not a boxer. Now, I'm not exaggerating when I say he would connect solidly two or three times every five seconds, and that he pretty much kept that pace up for five minutes straight. I got tired after about a minute and a half. So, not exaggerating at all, he probably hit me at least 150 times. And I connected five times. I know because I connected four times weekly and one time solidly. I gave him a little bit of a bloody nose with one right hand cross. But, he bloodied my right eyebrow, kind of split my eye up there. He bloodied my left eyebrow. He puffed up my right cheek. He puffed up my left cheek. My nose was bleeding out of my right nostril. My nose was bleeding out of my left nostril. And he hit me in the mouth so many times that my lips were swollen on the top and the bottom. I knew just enough to keep my chin down. So he ended up punching me most of the time directly on my forehead. And he actually punched me so many times on the forehead that he broke his hand. And he wasn't able to box or wrestle for six weeks after that because he was wearing a cast from punching me so many times in the head. So I learned a valuable lesson that day too. The lesson? You're never as tough as you think you are. And there is always someone tougher. There are other versions of getting punched in the mouth. And six months after that, there was another example. I was at the Muay Thai studio, and I was talking trash because I was 16 years old. And the sensei heard me talking trash, so he partnered everybody up for sparring. Everybody partnered up, except for me. And I looked around like the fool that I am, and said, well, then who would my partner be? And he said, me. And then for the next half hour, he proceeded to fake me out over and over and over so that he could kick me in the exact same spot, halfway between my right knee and my right hip on the outside of my femur, where there's a nerve running along your leg. He kicked me there for a half an hour, 
And then I limped for two weeks. And then I thought a lot about talking trash after that. I mean, I didn't fully learn my lesson. And then again, there's the non-literal. Also as a teenager, although a little bit older, I was working at a pharmacy drugstore, and there was a film counter in the back, and this was back when people still developed film. And I was working back at the film counter, and it would get busy sometimes, especially in the afternoon, and a line would form, all these people waiting to drop off and pick up film. And a lot of people were pretty organized about it. They'd drop it off in the morning, the film would go out, it'd come back in the afternoon, and they'd come back in the evening. So, there was a long group of people waiting to get their film back. And I got kind of overwhelmed. And I was calling out people's last names, or asking for their last names, and then I was pulling their film and putting it in a pile in order, probably, I don't know. But I wasn't being perfect about it. I was just hurrying, and I was hurrying too much. I wasn't just accepting that sometimes people have to wait in lines and sometimes people will be slightly annoyed. So instead of being really organized and working as fast and efficiently and as well as I could, I just kind of busted through a pile of people in film. And I had three people in a row to give film to. And this guy came up and he asked for his film and I handed it to him and he paid and he walked out. And the next guy came up and he asked for his film and he gave it to him and he paid and he walked out and the third guy did the same. Well, a few minutes later, the first two guys came back in. And, you know, you can see where this is going, but of course I'd given the wrong film to the wrong guys. Usually that wouldn't be that big a deal. It might be a slight difference in price and we could do refunds and everything. But it was a bigger deal because the first guy had a roll of film that was all sexy time pictures with his girlfriend. So I had given his sexy time pictures to the other guy. And the other guy's family vacation pictures to him. And the guy who had taken a lot of sexy time pictures with his girlfriend was not happy with me. He was very, very pissed. And it did not end well with me. And I learned an important lesson that day as well. Slow down, be efficient, do the best job you can possibly do. There was a famous story in Florida in 2001. It was summer. And this kid was at the beach with his sister and his aunt and his uncle. And he's out in the water. The water's not very deep. And this seven-foot bull shark comes in. The kid's eight years old. And the bull shark, for whatever reason, just starts attacking him. And it ends up biting his arm off. Well, his uncle sprints into the water. And he grabs the shark by the tail. And holds it tight. The ant grabs the kid gets him out of the water with the sister. The uncle drags the shark up on shore and starts beating it. He and another man kill the shark. Then he fishes his nephew's arm out of the shark's mouth. The 
kid is losing tons of blood. The sister is running around asking people to call 911. This other kid is yelling at adults to go call 911. And all these adults on the beach are so stunned that nobody calls 911 for a couple minutes. As everyone just sits and stands and stares having watched this horrific shark attack. And these men attack a shark. I mean, when we hear stories like this, and this is a true story, we always think we're the uncle. Or a lot of us do. We're like, I would be that uncle. My nephew would be attacked by the shark. I'd go in the water. I'd drag the shark out of the water. I'd beat it to death with my bare hands. I'm that guy. Or we watch a war movie. We're like, I'm the war hero. That's who I am. We watch a Marvel movie. We identify with the superheroes. But on that shark attack day, yeah, maybe one in 10,000 of us is the uncle. More of us are probably the kid who got attacked by the shark. Some of us are the sister who when something big happens, we run around and ask for help. Right? A lot of us are just those stunned adults sitting on our beach towels like idiots. And the thing is, if you've never been in a fight situation, you don't know which one you are. Or, more likely, you don't know that you're all of those people. I've been in fights where I fought right away and fought well. I've been in fights where I got punched in the face a lot. And I was even in a fight once in college where my wrestling teammates got in a fight with a bunch of these football players. And the fight broke out all around me. And for a few seconds, I just watched people punch each other and kick each other. And I even saw one of my teammates bite somebody in the face. And I did nothing. I just stood there for a few seconds. We're not always the hero. We're definitely not always that guy who drags a shark out of the water and beats it to death with our bare hands. The sad thing, and I know this is going to sound funny, but the sad thing is that not everybody does get punched in the mouth. The other day I got an email from a grown-up an adult and he said some things in this email that nobody would ever say to my face nobody who knows me would say this to my face nobody who takes one look at me would say this to my face nobody who knows my background would say this to my face so friends family strangers nobody would say this stuff but he said it on an email. And yeah, people are getting pretty brave on email these days. But also, this guy obviously has never been punched in the mouth. Because he's never learned that you don't say these things to some people. You might think them, but you don't say them. Ever. My friend Greg Duncan, he says, not enough Teenage boys are punched in the mouth these days. 
he grew up and went to North Eugene High School where he was punched in the mouth. And he said, I learned a valuable lesson each time I was punched in the mouth. My friend Phil Morton, he grew up in Klamath where people are still punched in the mouth. And living in Eugene, you know, a more politically correct city, he's like, mm. Yeah, you know, there's immediate feedback in getting punched in the mouth. It's not always the right thing to do to punch someone in the mouth, but usually when you get punched in the mouth, you deserve it in some way. So I don't know. Maybe we should lament the loss of a lot of people getting punched in the mouth, or maybe those of us who did as young people should just be grateful that we did. Or maybe it doesn't have to be a physical punching in the mouth. Maybe. Any kind of metaphorical punching in the mouth is good for us. It's good for us to learn where we stand in the world. It's good for us to learn how tough we are and how not tough we are. Maybe it's good to know our place. At least sometimes. This podcast episode is dedicated to my friends Greg Duncan and Phil Morton, who know how it is, and also to my college wrestling teammate Troy Hughes, who got his front tooth punched loose just like my glinty when Troy and I were fighting right next to each other. If you like this episode, please give it a five-star review and tell somebody else about the podcast. And if you want to see pictures of me catching snakes or fish or finding scorpions or climbing rocks, you can follow me on Instagram at Pedro underscore Hoffmeister. And thank you so much for listening today to the Boring is a Swear Word podcast. And my-